Chapter 9 Six Degrees The distance between good and evil is closer than you think. Six Degrees She picked up the receiver of her rotary phone again and twirled the cord nervously between her calloused fingertips. She dialed the number and let it ring. Then, just before hearing the familiar voice of her friend Mabel, as she contracted those two words into one, Sheriff's office, Faye hung up. I don't need to report this. I can just keep him. Oh, maybe I should report this. Someone may be looking for him. Oh, nobody is looking for this little guy because I would have heard by now. I'm not going to make a fuss about a little dog. Unless it's a child. What if a child is missing his dog? I should call. But Nathan doesn't have time to worry about dogs. He's a busy, busy man. I'll just... Oh, for God's sakes, I'm going to call. And so it went. For the entire morning, she vacillated, calling and hanging up, calling and hanging up. Of course, Faye had no idea that Miss Mabel possessed the power of some very simple technology. Caller ID. And before Faye could refill the little dog's bowl with another helping of warm, sweet cream, there was a knock on her door. Since Faye's ordeal earlier that fall, she had started locking doors, and she hated herself for it. The words, come in, were always on the tip of her tongue. It was habit. Mustn't do that, she thought. Who is it, please? she asked, sounding awkward and formal. Miss Faye, it's Sheriff Randall. Nathan! She contemplated not opening the door. She was hiding a dog, and she was embarrassed. She let her shoulders drop down. Time to face the music, old girl. She wrenched the door open so fast that it startled the sheriff. I'm fine, Nathan. You don't need to waste your time here. I'm doing just fine. She was working hard to avoid eye contact, but then an 11-pound terrier mix made his way out between her feet and circled the sheriff's boots. He wagged his tail frantically. "'Well, who is this little fella?' Nathan exclaimed. "'Nobody. I mean, I don't know, Nathan. I was out riding yesterday when I found him. He was dragging a scarf and making his way down the trail.' There was nobody around for miles, and I certainly couldn't just leave him there. Nathan reached under his hat to scratch his head. You were out alone, snowmobiling? Faye had incriminated herself again, but she stood defiantly, finally making eye contact. Last I read, there are no laws restricting seniors from riding alone, and that's not the point, Nathan. The subject of this conversation is this dog... He is the one who had no business out alone in the frozen wilderness, so don't give me that look. Miss Fay, may I come in? I'd like to get out of the cold, if you don't mind. Fay let him in, but she knew perfectly well what he was doing. This was a wellness check. Maybe somebody had called him? The sheriff entered the cabin and removed his hat respectfully. Soft cello music was playing on the radio, and he could smell the two loaves of banana bread that were cooling themselves on the marble countertop. The cozy quiet of Faye's little oasis felt like a warm blanket. It was magical. As you can see, everything is fine. I'm fine. You'll even be glad to know that I took your advice and got the bathroom wiring fixed. 
But what should I do about this dog, Nathan? Have you heard anything about a missing dog? If not, he seems quite content to stay here with me. Faye was chatting nervously. She is so busted, the sheriff thought, and he chuckled at the crime, living your life on your own terms. And then the sheriff looked down and thought quizzically, A dog of this size could not possibly survive out there for more than a day before freezing to death or being eaten. But he looks well. So where did he come from? The dog was now on his back, exposing a plump belly and beckoning Sheriff Randall to lean down and give him a scratch. Fay, how far out were you? And I'm asking because I need to know more about the dog, not because I'm going to give you a summons for being too independent for your own good. She sighed. I was out on the south shore of the big lake, just below the overlook. I like it there, Nathan, and it's perfectly safe if you're prepared, and I'm always prepared. Yes, you are, Miss Fay. But there isn't anything out there for miles. So how do you suppose our little friend found his way to the south shore of the big lake? He was working hard not to imagine 83-year-old Faye Clark Owens out in the middle of nowhere on her snowmobile. Well, isn't that what you're supposed to tell me? I'm not the sheriff. Faye plopped down in her chair, and as quick as a flash, the little dog was on her lap. She continued talking while rubbing his ears. As soon as he saw me, he came running over, so I picked him up and put him inside my jacket. Then I walked around a little, and I hollered out. There's nobody out there, not a soul, only this little dog moving along the ITS just as proud as you please. Weren't you, little guy? Then she looked up from the dog and noticed Nathan. He was smiling at her. Say, how are you managing here, aside from your, um, adventures? Are you doing okay? You had quite a shock this fall. Oh, I'm doing okay for an old girl. I don't want that ordeal to change me, Nathan. It's in the past, and I live in the present. You are so nice to drive by and check on me, but I don't need a thing, and you can take that to the bank. And now you know that I have this little dog, so if his owner shows up, you may call me. Nathan didn't move, and so she continued. So... If you don't mind. Nathan looked at her seriously. The curious thing about being a sheriff is that everyone is trying to get rid of you until they're not. Then he nodded over in the direction of the banana bread. It was a long ride out here, Miss Fay, and a sheriff can't be expected to live on coffee alone. He knew his offhanded request for food would please her, and it did. She sprung up like a jack-in-the-box and practically sprinted toward the kitchen. Cheerfully, she folded two man-sized slices of warm banana bread into a paper towel and started walking toward him. Then she stopped. Holding the bread in an outstretched hand, she instead moved toward the door. She was luring him out. Okay, okay, I can take a hint. I'm going, I'm going, he assured. And with that, he returned his hat to his head and headed out the door, calling out, Thanks for the treat, Miss Fay. But Fay was watching him. She wanted to make sure the sheriff got into his SUV. She couldn't have him sniffing around outside, inspecting her home maintenance skills. Her freedom always felt like it could end with one phone call, and this kept her on her toes. 
Faye had more living to do, and with the sheriff gone, she was eager to get back to it. And so she went on with her day, never knowing that it was her tortured morning of calling and hanging up that had alerted Mabel, who then alerted the sheriff. It was Faye who had started the chain reaction. Sheriff Randall was now on his way to the scenic overlook, the very spot where her new companion had almost ended his journey, and the sheriff was just beginning his. That dog couldn't have survived out here for more than a day, tops. This has been the worst winter in years. Sheriff Randall looked at his car's thermometer. It read six degrees, and this was without the wind chill. So, where did that dog come from? The events of the last several days had Nathan rattled. This dog, Miss Fay, nothing was insignificant anymore, and he couldn't drop it. And so, instead of returning to the station, he headed west toward the mountain pass. By noontime, he was parked at the scenic overlook, preparing to look around. The winds were steady at 30 miles per hour, and he could feel his Ford Explorer vibrate as it shouldered the wind. He zipped his jacket and donned his fur-lined bomber hat. Once outside, he walked to the edge. This location beckoned tourists from all over the northeast, and it was easy to see why. The open expanse of wilderness stretched north for miles through a massive valley that cradled three very large lakes, and, on a clear day, you could see all of them. It was the sort of view that, at best, had you questioning your very existence, and at worst, had you doing foolish things like proposing and getting married, two things Nathan had managed to avoid. The sheriff worked with dispatch to radio Bill LaFleur, Bill was the main game warden pilot who had come in from Belfast to assist with the aerial search related to the death of Daisy Terrio. After nearly three days of searching, Nathan had hoped to have something for the evidence recovery team, but the search had yielded nothing, and Bill was ready to call it quits. But first, Nathan had one more request for his colleague. Bill, yeah, listen, I'm about eight miles south of you as the crow flies, standing at the overlook. Can you manage a flyover on your way out? I'm not entirely sure what I'm looking for, but I'd like eyes on the ravine if you can swing it. You got it, Nate. Give me twenty, Bill chirped back. Nathan now had twenty minutes to kill. He inhaled deeply and opened his arms wide, letting the magnificence of the setting wash over him. His mind drifted back to an early morning ride up to this spot, he was just a high school kid hoping to capture the sunrise as part of an assignment for a photography class. Instead, he spent two hours mesmerized by a moose and her calf as they meandered along the ridge, lapping up the last of the winter road salt that had seasoned the crusty tar. These were the kind of moments that tied him to the land, and he hoped to have more of them some day, if only he could get a day off. The wind pelted him hard, and he winced, slightly. His stubby coat collar did nothing to protect his chap face. A little lapdog? Out here? No way, he thought. Obviously someone had brought him here, and maybe that someone needed help. He brought his binoculars up and slowly glassed the south shore of the big lake below. It was the closest of the three lakes, and the only one within miles of any snowmobile activity. His eyes ascended slowly up the mountainside, scanning east to west as he worked to follow an imaginary topo line. Nothing. 
Just then, dispatch called back. They had Bill on the radio. I see you, big guy. Where do you want me? I can't see over the edge below, not without climbing down, wondering if you can save me a trip and give it a look-see, Nathan asked. Nathan and Bill stayed connected while Bill turned the small, fixed-wing aircraft across Nathan's line of sight and into the wind. Okie dokie, Bill was his usual talkative self. I see trees, and oh, look, another tree. Obviously, Bill loved his work and was enjoying the midday flyover. Well, hey, what do you know? We got us some snow, too, and more trees. It's another beautiful day in Maine, nothing but white and green and... Oh, oh, wait. Hold the phone. I think I got something. The radio crackled slightly. Holy moly, Nate, we got a car down here and maybe some tracks. The wind and snow have tossed things around quite a bit, but yep, I can make out the tail end of a vehicle poking out through this crop of trees. Cripes, I almost missed it. Oh, and hey, Nate, get a load of this. The rear driver's side door is wide open. The sky was turning milky gray and the clouds were thickening up again. The noonday sun was gone. Nathan had no time to lose. He turned toward his SUV to radio for assistance and noticed it. The scenic overlook sign. It had been sheared off at the base and had landed face down 20 feet across the road. Whoever hit the sign must have been going like a rocket ship, he thought. By 6 p.m., the car was finally out of the ravine and on the back of the state's wrecker. Blue lights and trucks dominated the turnout, and it was snowing. He aimed his flashlight across the exterior of a rusty, late-model Subaru wagon. Nathan knew that the state would need time to do their thing, but he wanted a head start. His team had not found a driver, but they had noticed indentations in the snow immediately around the vehicle. Someone had been walking around down there, and that ruled out the theory that one of the locals had hoped to dispose of an unwanted car by heaving it over the edge. The rear door was still open. Being careful not to touch anything, he looked inside. The interior color was tan, making it easy to see the dried blood on the steering wheel and door handle. Then, his flashlight illuminated bags of nuts and a mostly eaten fruitcake. Cookie crumbs were everywhere. It looked like the contents of a Christmas gift basket had exploded and someone had done their best to eat what they could. But Christmas was weeks ago. He saw several bottles of beer in the back seat and two empties on the floor of the driver's seat. Had the driver left the scene more concerned about a DUI than the freezing cold? Then, in the back of the wagon, he noticed something else. Dog feces, small, about the size that an 11-pound dog might make. Faye's new friend, he thought. What were the odds that a little dog would be found in this extreme location by a woman out alone on her snowmobile? Neither of them had any business being out here in the first place, and yet they'd found each other. The food from the Christmas basket obviously played a role in the dog's survival, but still, this was one lucky pup. Now, who was the driver? He opened his cell phone, snapped a photo of the license plate, and then he returned to the heat of his SUV to run the search. Seeing the name and address on the screen gave him a jolt. This is White's Apple Orchard, or used to be, 
he mumbled out loud, and then he remembered being called out there in the fall. It was a strange call. The new owner of the farm had been convinced that someone was living inside the home with her. But when he ruled that out, she cried hysterically and became agitated. It was a memorable visit, to be sure. Nathan had only seen her in town one other time after that, and she hadn't looked well at all. He glanced at the bright green teletype font of his government-issue laptop. Her name blinked back at him. His heart sank. Poor lady. She must have set out on foot to try to get help after careening off the mountain. Adrenaline was pumping through him now, contracting his stomach into a tight fist. Oh, jeez. If the dog is still alive, maybe she is too. He sprang from his vehicle and sprinted toward the crew. His deputies, two game wardens, and a border agent were nearly done packing up their gear and preparing to call in a night when they looked up to see the sheriff running toward them. And he was hollering something. I know the driver, and she had a dog. We got a woman out there, fellas. An hour passed. The search and rescue teams were on their way now. Base camp would be established here at the top of the mountain, and the teams would hit it hard at first light. Nathan sat in his SUV and watched the wrecker's taillights disappear down over the mountain pass. He thought about the apple orchard, the woman with the sad and frightened face, and the Subaru wagon that was now on its way to Augusta, where the body of Daisy Terriot had gone, where all dead things go to have their stories teased out. Nathan felt a little lost and very worried. Faye's ordeal in September had left everyone on edge for weeks. But then, with the passage of time, things seemed to return to normal. Hunting season, Thanksgiving, sports events, and winter festival. Normal stuff. Busy. But things were changing again. Or maybe it had always been dark like this, and he'd been blind to it, distracted by the beauty around him, by the moose in her calf. Now he felt like a cancer patient coming to terms with the bad news of an updated brain scan. Reality was cold and hard. The word evil came to his lips, but he choked it back. Those weren't the words of a professional lawman, and towns aren't evil. But just yesterday, Nathan had been on the phone with his friend and mentor, Sheriff Bruce Belanger. Bruce had the next county over and was all but consumed with multiple missing person cases. A serial offender was now suspected, and the state police were assisting. You and I are keeping those people busy, I guess, he told Bruce flatly. Talking with Bruce had taken him back to the scene at Faye's cabin, her badly beaten body, the look in her eyes when he'd found her, the intruder. And then Harper died much too suddenly. Now he was working the Daisy Terrio case. She was taken miles away from anything kind and familiar, her remains treated despicably. He tried so hard to protect her family from the details, but the stories traveled faster than he could. Wanting to protect and failing, it was a horrible feeling. Maybe evil was the right word. When humans turn on each other, what other word could there be? Nathan Randall, always steadfast, jovial, and confident, now had a pit in his stomach the size of a football, and he didn't know quite what to do about it. 
He took a swig of water from his Yeti bottle and rubbed his eyes. Okay, he thought. I'm going to do what I do best. I'm going to get to work. It was only 8 p.m., time to take a drive off the mountain toward the little white farmhouse on the hill where the owner of the Subaru lives. Or lived. He wasn't sure which it was, but he was determined to find out. Six Degrees Written and performed by Bridget Emmons Thanks for listening.